Leafs fam, what is up? This is the Leafs Combo. I am Norman James. Our interview series continues on with the wonderful Bill Waters joining our Mike Jello for some informative, fascinating discussion. Before we get to that, I just wanted to thank you once again for all of your support. The YouTube page is banging right now. We are obtaining subscribers literally by the hour. It's onward and upward, and we grow even bigger and better every time we put a podcast on wax. With that said... Are you ready to go? I know the boys are. Let's Leafs combo it up. Mike Godjella with Bill Waters starting right now. I am pleased to be joined once again by the former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Bill Waters. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Michael, and happy Memorial Day to you and to all of my American listeners. I love the United States of America. It's a wonderful place to spend at least six months a year and enjoy the great weather. <laughs> yes, in the in the warm climes of Florida, yes. Um, That's right, yeah. I, I, I didn't mention Buffalo. I should have. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's just starting to get warm now, Bill. So, you know, like we'll have about three months of, of warmth and then it'll go back get back to winter so that's the way it goes yeah those october those october snowstorms kill you they 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 tend to do so yes um okay very busy time in the uh the world of the the toronto maple leafs uh as expected and we spoke just before the decision came down from brendan shanahan the last time we talked about uh lamorello and him uh, being sort of moved out to the senior advisory position. The announcement came down, I think, the day after we talked that Kyle Dubas was named the new general manager, and that precipitated the changes of Lou moving to the New York Islanders as president of hockey operations and Mark Hunter uh, separating himself from the organization. Let's let's take the you know, first decision, which was Brendan Shanahan going to Kyle Dubas. He's 32 years old. He's basically been groomed for this job for four years. There's some skepticism because of his youth and his attachment to analytics, but there's also a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of enthusiasm about how good of a young hockey mind he is. What what are your thoughts on the hiring of Dubas? Well, uh, I was indifferent to it because I didn't know Dubas. So I wasn't about to condemn him uh, because of age discrimination. I talked to Craig Hartsburg, who is a client of mine when I was a player agent and has remained one of my uh, good friends, and he told me the story about Kyle Dubas when he was a 13-year-old, and it was Craig Hartsburg's first year coaching in Sault Ste. Marie. He became the stick boy, Dubas, and every day after school, he would come to the rink and practices, usually at 4.35 o'clock. He would spend his spare time in Craig Hartsburg's office getting a free education on hockey and its various um, subtleties. And Craig developed quite a nice feeling about this kid, and more importantly, how voracious his appetite was for hockey. Uh, His grandfather was a coach in Sault Ste. Marie. His father, I think, is a policeman or a fireman in the Sioux. He's a small-town boy who loved hockey. You can't get it any better than that. And so I said to Craig, I said, well, how do you think he'll do? He said, very very well he said when i came back uh when i left after coaching and went to the nhl again uh the team brought him back after his uh sojourn into a a sports degree at brock university and so he was exposed to him one more time and was even more impressed 
So he was not surprised when Shanahan, after I I presume that this happened when Shanahan was trying to hire Sheldon Keefe to coach the Marlies. But anyway, that may not be, but certainly it could have been the first introduction. And Brendan Shanahan, as the boss man, was terribly impressed with this guy's A, willingness to work, and B, knowledge of the game and all the things that he'd picked up in the preceding 10 years. And so I, I felt good about Dubas. I called my former colleague, Cliff Fletcher. I felt good about uh, Kyle Dubas again. I talked to a scout who is a director of uh, amateur, or, the, or not amateur scouting, but scouting in the OHL, uh, and I asked him about Dubas, and his commentary was very positive. Very positive from a personal standpoint and from a hockey standpoint. Those three people are people that I use to form opinions or help me form opinions on people that I really don't know. So I think Brendan Shanahan made a wonderful choice in Kyle Dubas. From my interaction with him, going even going back to 2014 um, when he was first hired and um, just, I mean, everything has been very cordial, very professional. You know, I, I remember uh, being at the World Junior recently in Buffalo and, you know, with the, watching uh, Team Sweden and Timothy Lilly were in play and he was standing next to me and we had some interaction regarding, you know, some of the players on that team. You know, he's very, very sharp, very astute, and I, I think he is very capable and up to the job. So I think, the, I, I agree, I think the Leafs made an excellent choice. Now, the thing was that it was expected and believe some people expected, and I personally didn't. I thought that there was an opportunity out there for Lou Lamorello to move on and be uh, a general manager or president of hockey operations that he would jump at the opportunity. And it was the worst kept secret in the world that uh, the Islanders were interested with his son, Chris, being one of the assistant general managers there. And earlier last week, it was announced that he was the going to be the president of hockey operations. And it sounds like that Gar Snow is going to stay on, but it sounds like he's been basically neutered and that Lou is going to run the show. I mean, I didn't think Lou was going to be cut out for that advisor role. If there was an opportunity to go out, he was going to go out and, and still be consequential. Um, are you surprised that he left or are you not surprised? I'm not surprised. I think he uh, let a good friend down in handling his three-year contract plus four years of senior advisory, you know better than I, Mike, that for the two years that Lou was told to uh, leave the hockey team alone and be the president of the new Jersey Devils, he did nothing. He was not approached by anyone to run a hockey team and or be president of any hockey team. So he's sitting in New Jersey and not very happy, I would assume, and Brendan Shanahan comes to him, mainly because he picked him as the second player in the draft. But this was a favor. And here's what I got for you, Lou. I got you a three-year deal at big money, I would imagine. And then I've got you a four-year senior, senior advisory role, which I thought was extraordinarily gratuitous. So what happens when the three years are over? Lou decides he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be around here unless he's the general manager. And that's fine. But don't make a fuss about it. Tell, tell Brendan. Just say, look. Forget about the four-year deal. I'm gone. But he wanted to make sure he had something, so he hung around. I didn't like the way Lou exited. I thought he could have shown a lot more class. However, if you know Lou, and I don't know him as well as some, they weren't surprised at how he handled it. So that's Lou Lamorello, and I can tell you right now that the exchange of Lou Lamorello 
for Kyle Dubas was a significant addition to the Toronto organization by comparison. There are a lot of concerns are, you know, is the, you know, the departure of Mark Hunter. I mean, Hunter has been given, and rightfully so, given a lot of credit for, you know, the improved scouting and drafting uh, that the Leafs have had over the last three years. Um, you know, he's, he's selected uh, Mitch Marner over the protestations of uh, head coach Mike Babcock, who wanted a, a defenseman. Um, I think I could have taken Austin Matthews, but there are some depth picks in his three drafts that I think are going to be good NHL players. But it, it was, I mean, Brendan Shanahan said it in some interviews last week. He knew that whoever he chose, Hunter or Dubas, that he was going to lose the other two. He was going to lose Lamorello, and he was going to lose the one of, the one person that he didn't choose. So, I mean, unfortunately, you know, that, that was the reality, and that was what happened. Yeah, exactly, and, and we all knew that. Anybody that knew Mark Hunter, 55 years old, uh, he played in the NHL for at least 10 years. He coached in the American League for me and in the OHL. He could have coached in the NHL had he chosen. But he got into the scouting business, and he had a great eye for players. He has the right sniff for the kind of players you want, and he chooses Mitch Marner's over Noah Hannafin's. That's what makes the difference in a good scout and just a scout. So that I knew that if he chose Kyle Dubas, that, A, it wouldn't have been my choice, but that didn't matter anymore. It was a good choice because if you look at the trend in professional sport, baseball, hockey, football, maybe not so much basketball, but the young 35 to 40-year-olds are getting the nod. And that's significant. And that's why Shanahan did what he did. He wanted to be ahead of the curve in respect to, A, uh, the mindset of his senior hockey person. And unfortunately, Lou was double the age. And at this point, double the age means you can only spend half the time. So I'm 100% behind uh, Brendan's choice. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that I would have taken Hunter, but he chose him for a reason. He was 20 years younger than Mark Hunter, and he wants to be at the leading edge. And good for him. And as far as Lou, good for Lou. I hope Lou does well also. But I I didn't expect Lou to make such a fuss about being removed from the favor he was given by Shanahan. Now, Hunter has a non-compete clause in his contract, so he won't be able to join another NHL team until, I think, mid-July after free agency occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's been some speculation that he might take a you know, sort of a parallel job with uh, another NHL team. Um, I, the Islanders have obviously popped up as a possibility because Lou is there, and they, have a, they had a good working relationship in Toronto. Or he could simply go back to the London Knights for a, a, a year and you know, take sure. over the operations there, and, and potentially just wait for a GM job to open up. I mean, I, I I personally think that there was no way to go wrong for the Leafs that they chose Hunter, they chose Dubas. I think both would have been great choices. But I, yeah. you know, I, I'm just asking this: Do you think that Mark Hunter is a general manager in this league? Because I do. Oh, absolutely. Mike, Mark Hunter is a very principled person, and Mark Hunter excused himself from the company when a decision was made and not made in the, in the, in the manner and, the, and in the fashion that he would have expected, that he was brought up 
to understand. And that was diff- more difficult for Mark to think that Brendan Shanahan would pick a hockey person 20 years his younger. That means 20 years less NHL, OHL, AHL experience. And that didn't settle well with a principled guy like Mark Hunter. I'm happy for Mark. He'll find something and he'll do well. He's a unique talent, very, very strong-willed. And when somebody says he's going to work for Lou Lamorello, I say, uh, excuse me, did I miss something? Mark Hunter does his own thing, and Lou Lamorello checks your telephone slips to see who you're calling. It wouldn't go well. Now, in the, in the wake of the departures of Lamorello and Hunter, um, you know, Brandon Pridham, who is basically the Leafs capologist, was given a title bump to assistant general manager. From what it sounds like, he's just going to handle the same responsibilities that he's handled the last few years. The organization adds Lawrence Gilman, formerly of the uh, Vancouver Canucks, and who worked uh, on the expansion draft for the NHL as an assistant general manager. And Bill, I, I, I for some reason, and maybe I'm wrong, I remember back in. I think it was 05, 06, when the switchover from Pat Quinn being GM and coach to the to the to Petty and Tannenbaum, you know, forcing John Ferguson Jr. in. For some reason, I remember Gilman's name being bandied about as a potential GM, and maybe it's somebody else, but I thought I thought he was one of the the candidates that Pat Quinn was was accepting of, and it, they went, of course, to John Ferguson Jr. And we know how badly that was. But you know, if, if I'm wrong, just ignore that. What, what did you think of the addition of Gilman to the management team? Well, he's got experience, but I can tell you uh, that I don't want to speak for Pat because he can't tell me that I'm wrong. But sure. I would not think Lawrence Gilman would be one of the people that he would recommend, particularly in light of the fact that one of his recommendations was Lanny McDonald. What mm-hmm. meant a great deal to Pat was whether you played hockey and at what level you played it. Right. And if you coached hockey and at what level you coached it. And if you didn't have experience in any of those areas, don't ask Pat for a job. Let's move from the leaf page for a second to talk about the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I frankly am shocked that the Washington Capitals are in the Stanley Cup final. I've always had the thought that the Capitals were a team, for lack of a better term, of chokers. And, you know, they've proven me wrong. They got by Pittsburgh. They got by Tampa Bay. And now... Alex Ovechkin is one series away from winning his first Stanley Cup. What do you think is going to happen in the Stanley Cup final? With Washington, I never thought that they could win with Ovechkin. And Barry Trotz, this past season, finally got to Ovechkin to impress him with the fact that, A, he was captain of the team and should be willing to show more leadership than he had shown for the preceding 12 years. I think Alex got himself in much better shape. He started to bring uh, his body into play. And, of course, he still got his share of goals. But he did things that he never thought of doing. I mean, he was even back-checking in the neutral zone. He hardly ever made it to the neutral zone before. And he used his physicality with a body like that at 240 to 45 pounds and in shape. It was a, a mere thoughtful image of what he was when he was a junior. And that's Alex Ovechkin. And I'm happy for the Capitals 
that Alex Ovechkin has finally given them one year of service. And I'm happy for the owner because he thinks Alex Ovechkin is the biggest bargain since sliced bread. Well, I don't. And I don't hold any bias or any reason to dislike Alex. I don't know him. All I know that he was a lazy, selfish superstar who had the best shot in hockey. He was never the best player, not even close. He's a lot closer now as a a more effective player than he ever was. And for that, I am thankful, and for that, I am happy for Alex. We'll have to wait and see how he does in the upcoming final. Now, honestly, I think one of the keys for this year for for Ovechkin was not being able to go to the Olympics because I think it made him – he knew that he wasn't going to be able to because of the NHL's decision. You know, he probably was extremely mad that he wasn't there to win a gold medal because there's, you know, gold medal Olympic glory in his family. And I think he, you know, really wanted that as a feather in his cap. And since he wasn't able to do that, I think he threw himself into the only prize that he could win this year, which is the Stanley Cup. And he's been a much more forceful player in the playoffs. Now, Vegas, I mean, this is so improbable you know you had 500 to 1 odds going into the season of them winning the Stanley Cup and now the casinos in Vegas are trying to buy up these tickets because they're afraid they're gonna gonna get bankrupt because of them um <laughs> you know Mark Marc-Andre Fleury I, I you know and, and this may be her hyperbole but I think Marc-Andre Fleury has already won the con Smythe even if he lets in 80 goals in the, in the final because them getting to the, the Stanley Cup final is just incredible but what are, what are your feelings on this team because it's just come together so well in such a short time well i just i just want to remind you mike of your hypothesis with regard to ovechkin and the olympics and international hockey the russian team has not won a single <laughs> gold medal since alex ovechkin started to preach about how proud he was of playing for his country, I would think that they were happy not to have him so much so that they won the Olymp- uh, won the gold. Nothing more need be said about Alex mm-hmm. making up that story. Now let's go to a hockey team. From the standpoint of the Vegas Golden Knights, I'm very happy for the people principally involved. I think George McPhee did a masterful job of manipulating the other 30 general managers, not all of them, but collectively. They didn't know whether to call George or not because they were afraid he was going to demand too much. You don't have to give it to him. And when uh, Dale Talon, who's one of my good friends, and I think Dale is one of the uh, more astute hockey people in the industry, gives up Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault so he can protect some stiff down the road. I don't know who it was. But that that's bad business. And Chuck Fletcher did the same with uh, the centerman. And, oh, Eric, uh, Eric, Hall, Eric Hall and Alex Eric Tuck. Hall, yeah. Tuck's going to be one of the best left goalies in the game. Can't understand that. But as a result of George McPhee playing hardball, he got four players to play on his top six forwards. Can you believe that? And I'll tell you one thing. I would say at the meeting in Dallas, there will be a private but boisterous meeting of the 30 owners each discussing how their general managers fell prey to George McPhee. So having said that, George did an excellent job of using the draft to his advantage and taking advantage of people 
who place too much value in hidden value. In other words, Mm -hmm. if you've got nine guys to protect and you want to protect one more to make it ten, is he worth Smith and Marcia so? Is he worth Hollick and Tuck? Not even close. But that's what happened, and good for George. Now they have a good team. Now they have to find a coach that can do the job. And if you look at the history of uh, Gerard Gallant, notwithstanding his exposure to the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, he was outstanding, whether he was an assistant coach in Montreal, coaching junior in St. John's with the Sea Dogs, or uh, coaching in Florida until Tom Rowe decided that the Tom Rowe hypothesis of hockey was going to take over, and the Florida franchise almost went into the swamp. But Gerard survived, and he's the best coach in the game today because he's a player's coach. He knows how to handle them, and he's had some good luck in the playoffs from the standpoint of getting rest on every series. That's something you can't plan, but that allows you to have fresh legs and when you, you've seen them play, you know how they played, Mike. They're go, go, go. Both ends of the ice, go, go, go. And the teams that lose to them, most recently, Winnipeg, were flat out dead in the last two games. And L.A. only played them four, but still, I only scored two or three goals. And the second round was San Jose. San Jose was the best team, but couldn't keep up. So here you have them now after another eight- or nine-day rest facing Washington. I'm picking Vegas because I picked the other teams in each of the first three series. And so I'm assuming that they will continue to do what they've done to the others. There's no reason why they can't beat Washington unless they change their style or, as you pointed out, the winner of the Conn Smythe Trophy, and I'm with you, it should be awarded now, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury plays goal the way he's played then they're sure things. And if he plays just average, they still got a hell of a chance. I, I think your your point regarding the 30 teams uh, sort of getting together, I think that's already happened because there was a quote from an NHL executive from uh, Kevin Paul DuPont this morning that said, you know, it was a great job by Vegas. They, they, they ran this thing perfectly. McPhee did a great job. You know, going forward in Seattle, you know, Seattle will get the same uh, expansion yes. draft parameters, but if you think that teams are going to, A, give out as many no-move clauses, or B, trade draft picks and prospects to avoid, they're just going to say, go ahead, take the player, and there Ab- you go. Absolutely. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's a, it's a bargain. How yeah. could you give away a kid like Tuck and, uh, instead of losing a player who you were going to protect as your 11th or 12th player? Please. It doesn't I, I, make any sense. I actually think the I actually think the worst one is one that's not really talked about that much is Anaheim. Anaheim had the opportunity to uh, either buy out Kevin Bieksa or get him to waive his no move clause so they could protect Shea Theodore, who was one of their better young defensemen, or you know, or expose one of their other forwards. What they ended up doing was protecting Bieksa, protecting Silverberg, and trading Theodore so they would take somebody else. And Theodore is, you know, 23, 24 years old. He's one of their best defensemen. And Biax is now a free agent and is 36 or 37. So I think Anaheim you, really screwed up there. Did you forget who was managing Anaheim? <laughs> Bob Murray? <laughs> no, I did not. So leave it at that. Leave <laughs> it at that. 
Okay. Um, finally, you know, we'll, the, the NHL draft is in Dallas next month. We don't know what's going to happen there. We know that uh, the, the Sabres will take Rasmus Dahlin. I've seen him play at the World Junior. I think he's a really good defenseman, probably a number one defenseman in a very short order, but I, I don't think he's going to have the impact of a McDavid or a Matthews. I have a feeling there are going to be some big trades there, and my opinion is is that Kyle Dubas is going to make a signature move. Now, I don't know what that means in terms of who he's going to target, if it means free agency or trade, but, you know, John Tavares' name continues to come up. It will continue to come up until he either re-signs with the Islanders or signs someplace else. How viable do you think the fit of Tavares with Toronto is, and what do you think the possibilities are of it actually happening? Well, I, I... I'm not sure. The only advantage, as I see it, is that it would take some pressure off the 20-year-old and allow him to develop more naturally, Austin Matthews. Now, if you're going to keep Nazem Kadri as your third center, you now have the best center ice in hockey. However, if you're going to make the deal, you can't make the typical, we'll take him for 48 hours to see if we can sign him. You've got to get permission to talk to Tavares, make the deal, and then give him, give them Nylander, uh, probably Travis Dermott. They'll have to give up a boatload and a first-round pick. That'll be the uh, that'll be the order of the day. But you're, you're talking about a sign a sign and trade situation they, they, with the Islanders yeah, giving yeah. them the eighth year. Yeah. Okay. No, we we're given whatever it is, 72 hours to make a deal with Tavares. You make the deal, and you already have the trade in place. So it's not like, well, we're not going to – we've paid too much for – either you – they say, if you sign them, this is what we want. Okay, you got that. Now we have to sign them. They don't sign them, everything is off. So that's the way I see that. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time because the agent will lever the fact that you don't have a deal in place to jack up the price. And if a guy wants to go to a city like Toronto, it's more likely, more amenable that the team can make a deal with the agent. So that's the way I would expect it to be made. I don't expect it to be made because the coach will have to approve it. And let's not forget that. When your buddy Lou Lamorello was in town, he didn't do anything unless he talked to the coach. He controls the top 25 players on the Leaf roster, and don't you think otherwise. So if Kyle is going to have a nice five years coming up, I would suggest that he has been read the particular rules as they apply to the top 25 guys on the roster. So this is going to be a Babcock trade. It will be administered and uh, fulfilled and or otherwise by Kyle Dubas. And that's not an insult to Kyle Dubas. That's what happens when you pay one of your employees $6,250,000 a year. He's the boss. There's no other way to describe it. That's why Brendan did Lou a favor. You come on in here and you, you can work for Mike. That's what it was all about. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Do you think that the fact that Austin Matthews and John Tavares have the same agent in Pat Brisson is helpful or detrimental to the potential of a signing? Because obviously, like you said, I mean, Matthews 
uh, Tavares coming in would take a little of the leadership weight and a little of the responsibilities off of the back of, of Matthews. And I, I know Matthews wants that responsibility being the, the superstar player that he is, but you see examples like, you know, Taves and Kane and Crosby and Malkin where there's that one-two punch either up the middle or up front that is the recipe for winning a Stanley Cup. And I, I would think that, that Matthews would see that as well. But does having the same agent maybe help that process along? Well, I don't think it hurts it. I, I think what it does immediately, if in fact Tavares is signed by um, <clears throat> the Leafs, it puts a ceiling on what they're going to pay Matthews. So there's no arguing. You have to change your agent if you think you're worth more. And so that would that's what effectively what saved uh, the Penguins. Both of them were paid the same within 25, you know, 250,000 bucks. Mm-hmm. So Malkin and Crosby were making generally the same at the same term. They did the same thing in Chicago, but Bowman decided to give them 3 million each more per year. And the cap went askew. They couldn't do it. And that's why the Blackhawks have gone from the best team in the West to the worst team in the West. Bad cap management. And you've got to be very careful of that. So is there an advantage to having Tavares on the Maple Leafs? There surely is. Just him being on the ice. But I think also off the ice, it sets a ceiling on where you can go. And does that mean that Matthews is going to leave Toronto? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he'll figure out that making eight or nine million dollars a year for eight years is a pretty neat little package. Well, once again, Bill, I thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely reach out after the uh, July first uh, free agent frenzy. I'm sure that the Leafs somehow, some way, are going to be involved, either signing a free agent or making a deal. I, like I said, I, I, I think you know something is going to happen. I don't think it's going to be little piddly moves. I think that you know the, the Leafs either need to get that top defenseman or make some sort of bold move because. If you look at the Eastern Conference, you're having to catch up to Pittsburgh, Washington, Tampa, Boston, and I think if you just maintain the same level that they're doing right now, I I think they'll be competitive, but I don't know whether they'll get to that higher echelon. So we will see, you know, what happens uh, after July 1st. But thank you once again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike, and I'm with you. The Leafs have to substantially enhance their defense. They can do what else they want to put the little uh, cream on the cake, but if they don't get any defenseman that can do what has to be done to advance in the playoffs, it'll be another first-round knockout. For Bill Waters, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for listening. There you have it, Mike Agello with Bill Waters. Mr. Waters, thanks for taking the time out of your day to spend some time with us on the podcast. Michael, as always, great work. What did you think of the particulars of their discussion? I know you're still trying to digest what you heard, but when you think it's fully digested, will you spit it back out in our faces or will you say to heck with it? I'm going to go with it. I'm going to eat this and I'm going to like it. It's your choice. Go on the comment section below this podcast, upload on the YouTube page, leave your two cents. Let's get a healthy, lively discussion going about Agello and Waters, their latest discussion on the Leafs combo. My two cents on John Tavares, I want to see the guy 
get to free agency and have Kyle Dubas make him a very competitive, if not enticing offer to lure him to his hometown and perhaps fulfill his destiny of joining the Maple Leafs. I know there's going to be a lot of money involved. There's going to be a lot of complexity to it. But this is an opportunity for one of the biggest free agents to hit the market in quite some time to make a choice of where to go and to potentially end up going to where it really matters the most, in my opinion, the biggest hockey market in the world, Toronto, to play for the team that he loved growing up, to actually make that happen. All that talk about, well, you know, I grew up loving the Leafs, and then the draft comes and you're drafted by San Jose or Nashville or something like that, and it just never really happens because you play for the team for five, six years, and then you sign the bridge deal, and then you get the big big offer, and then by the time you want to be playing for the Maple Leafs, you're in your late 30s, it's just not going to happen. Make it happen, John Tavares. Make it happen, Kyle Dubas. I know there are fans out there who can't wait to see Josh Levo freed from wherever so he can play with the Leafs and start to carve out his 14-goal-a-year career. I mean, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But let's let's focus on the big fish right now. We, we see what the kids are doing with the Marlies, and they're going to win a Calder Cup. The farm is looking good. The young cats are revving right now. That sour taste from the loss to Boston in their mouths. Let's go get that big piece. Let's see Let's see it happen. Let's make it happen. I don't know. That's just my two cents. And Kyle Dubas, I'm on board with him. Gilman, Dubas, Pridham, that's a posse right there. Let us know what you think. At I Am Sports Heart, at The Leafs Combo, at Mike and Buffalo on Twitter. I've got so much to do right now, including fire up this air conditioning because it is sweltering hot in London, Ontario. Speaking of hot, the podcast is on fire on Anchor, iTunes, YouTube, wherever quality podcasts are distributed and enjoyed. You can find us. For Mike Agello, I'm Norman James. We out!